Welcome, welcome, welcome. Glad to have you here. How is everybody? Woo, okay, okay, we're getting there, we're getting there. It's Sunday evening. It is the hottest day of the year so far. Uh, that's not even worth cheering for. But hey, we're glad that you're here. Glad that you're tuned in online if you're watching from home or later in the week. Glad to have you as a part of Element City Church. As people kind of get settled in, uh, we just want to kind of go through a couple quick things, especially if you are new. We'd love to invite you to download our app. It's free. Just go to your app store, type in Element City Church. You could download that. There's lots of different things on there from either past messages. You can look at uh, sermon notes uh, tonight. You can follow along that way. You can also look back it's just kind of a playlist of songs. So how many of you like to listen to music throughout the week? Well, now we've just created a playlist for you of all the songs that we do here. So it's a way for you to kind of take us with you as you go throughout your week. So that's uh, an awesome thing to check out. If you happen to be new, we would love to have uh, you fill out our connection card and connect with us in a couple different ways. One of those ways is at the end of the service, if you're here in the building, we have a 10-minute party. Guess how long it lasts? Less than 10 minutes. Uh, and we've got the best kettle corn this side of the Grand Canyon just for you. Uh, and I would love to meet you back there at the 10-minute party right after service. You can fill out a connection card by texting the word hello uh, to our text number 520-340-6868. Or you can go on the app and just hit connection card. You can fill it out that way. A couple different things that will allow us to connect and walk with you over the next four or five weeks. And you might even get a bonus surprise a month into your visit. So, Glad to have you with us tonight. Uh, we're going to pray for the Church of the Week, which we do every single week. Th big thank you to all of you who were helping with the food distribution yesterday. Again, uh, we do that every second Saturday. And so those of you who were there yesterday, you made that happen. We rocked that out, and it was awesome. Uh, if you are new, that's an easy way to volunteer and be uh, a part of connecting around here. So every second Saturday, uh, we hand that out right here in the parking lot, and we'd love to invite you to be a part of that with us. So um, the the Church of the Week is Thornydale Family Church and Pastor Ryan. We want to pray for them. Uh, Pat Namiani used to be the pastor there, and they're in a transition. And uh, I just we want to pray a blessing over Pastor Ryan. And then I'd also like just to pray for uh, things that are continuing to go on in our world. And so if you're here, I'm going to ask that you just stand up and join me, kind of lean in with me in prayer. Uh, and then if you're at home, uh, you can stand or sit. It doesn't matter. Uh, we can't see you. So... Um, Let's pray together, and then we'll jump into our service tonight, worship together. Uh, we'll look into God's word, and we'll have a, a great evening together. So, Father, uh, as we gather tonight, we want to lean into the reality that you are a good God. Your love for us is so manifest. God, each one of us comes into this room, each one of us is dialed in, and we're at different scenarios and different seasons and different circumstances in life. And so we just pause this evening, and we're asking for your activity to meet us in a fresh and refreshing kind of way. So Holy Spirit, we invite you into this process. We pray for Thornydale Family Church, and uh, we ask your blessing over Pastor Ryan. God, would you continue to provide for their needs and maximize the scope of their reach to, to reach people for your kingdom's sake. God, we know that one church can't do it. We need the whole entire church to do it, to reach people that you're searching to connect with. Father, we also pause to remember our brothers and sisters in Ukraine and continue to pray for your provision and protection. God, a cease to this war and conflict that's there. We're asking for your activity to meet 
the specific people and specific scenarios and specific cities that need your help and your hope. God, we stand in unity together also recognizing that, that racism is wrong every time, any time. That we recognize that the kingdom, your kingdom, is one where every tribe and every nation will stand shoulder to shoulder in worship. And we want to see more of that here, in our here and now, not just in heaven someday. So, Father, we pray and ask for your, your intervention, your hope, your help, with the families that are grieving in Buffalo. Father, we, we bring all of these requests and, and recognize that you're a God who creates the universe and can run the universe, and yet you're active around every corner of the globe. And so we're just asking, Father, for your activity and your presence and your hope to intercede where it's needed. And at the same time, tonight, we're pausing and asking for your presence to intercede in our behalf. To, to mix with us and to mingle with us in your spirit that we might leave here refreshed, renewed by you. God, may you do what only you can do as we worship you and as we bring our best to you in worship. God, would you stir our hearts afresh and anew, we ask. And everyone said, amen. All right, elements, I need to see those hands. Come on. We're gonna sing together, push back the darkness to our holy
Father, we've gathered today to proclaim that truth, just like you told us, Lord, that you are the way, you're the truth, and you're the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through you, Jesus. Oh, man, we stand amazed in the presence of your Spirit here with us today on the move. So Father, today I pray that each person who's walked in here, Lord, that would realize the designed lesson, the designed imprint that you wish to place in their hearts, on my heart, man, that we would receive it, we would digest it, we would taste and see your goodness. 
So Father, thanks for showing up, man, you always do. Move in this place in a great way. I pray that you would use Jack and his words as he talks about truth and that you are a God of love. Remind us of that, move within us, Father. You are so worthy of our praise. We can't say that enough. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. So we look forward to what you're gonna do. We love you, amen. You guys can have a seat. Good to worship together. Uh, we are going to take communion at the end of the message, and so if you're watching online, you've got some time to prepare something at home. If you're here, there's a couple tables in the back and one in the balcony that's got some communion that you feel free to, to go right now and get. That's okay. Um, and then at the end of the sermon time, we're going to take communion together. Uh, and I want to lead us through a little reflection time in that. Um, <clears throat> I am wearing this shirt because Devin Booker called me and said, hey, we tip off at 5 p.m., can you come to the game? It's game seven. I said, no, I've got to be with my church, and I'm going to wear DeAndre Ayton's shirt because you're the wrong kind of wildcat. Um, actually, Devin Booker never called me yet. Someday he might. No, he probably won't. Um, and uh, tonight, I want to talk about truth. <laughs> okay, because my phone call with him... Actually, that's where we're going. We're going to talk about truth, and I just totally did not start with truth, and so I'm, I'm letting you know that was not true. Devin Booker did not call me. Um, and so this idea of truth is found in Matthew chapter 5. We are in the Sermon on the Mount, and we're spending the summer looking at through the sermon. Uh, that was one of Jesus' most famous sermons. He would have done this as a rabbi traveling around and taught this in a lot of different places. And so we want to lean into it. It's really kind of looking at... He's kind of taking the law that was given through Moses and saying, okay, just to obey this from an outward perspective is not going to save you because it's actually this law was written to even get even drilled down deeper into your heart. And he's going to explain that, kind of get to some things. But I don't know if you've ever had a truth moment. I want you to think back. Maybe it was a teacher that sat you down one day and kind of called you out. Maybe it was a coach that sat you down and kind of called you out. Maybe it was uh, <clears throat> anyone ever had a mama uh, call them out. Uh, maybe uh, like me when I turned 50 and I went to a new doctor and I said, hey, I'm 50. I probably should like figure out if I'm good. Um, and so, and uh, he said, listen, you're kind of, you're walking, that's good, you're kind of in shape, uh, but you're shape of a Pillsbury Doughboy, and so like this, we need to work on some things, and we ran some tests, and he kind of said, listen, uh, your blood sugar's like here, and like you're here, and like that's not good, and, and so like he was, he was harsh, um, which is why I didn't go to the doctor for a lot of years, but I guess this is a public service announcement for you guys. Uh, it was important, and it was significant, and I'm really glad I went, um, and it's put me on a journey that has been for my good, because sometimes truth hurts, doesn't it? Sometimes truth is uncomfortable. Sometimes truth is, is kind of jarring a little bit, 
But the reality is, truth is necessary. And, and truth is needed. And, and yet that's so challenging in our cultural context because so much of many people's thoughts is that truth is relative. Or truth is whatever you want it to be. Or we often find people who will massage the truth in order to spin things so that it's the way that they want. Uh, welcome to the land of spilling hot coffee on yourself and suing the restaurant for damages. That's the reality of the world in which we live. But if you ever ask your mama what the truth is, she's going to tell you. And all of us, I think, are on the receiving end of a, a good mom who challenged us at times, or a good dad who said, no, 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 here's the truth. And, and you got to face that at times. And so today, we're going to look at this little slice of the passage of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus kind of drills down on truth. And, and here's what I want you to hear through the scriptures as followers of Jesus, now you may be here and you're not a follower of Jesus and you're just kind of spiritually searching. I think it's awesome that you're here. In fact, we want to be a church where you don't have to be part of the convinced to belong. And you can kind of be on a spiritual journey yourself. And I, I'm really proud of you for owning that spiritual journey and beginning to take steps in that and investigate who Jesus really is because I think he really is the way, the truth, and the life. And I think a lot of people here have been, become convinced of that, maybe didn't start off that way and went on this journey and and Jesus has been truth for them. But the scriptures really kind of lay out a specific reality that we see, that as followers of Jesus, we are to be unconditional in our love, and we are also to be unapologetic about truth. And there's a tension that rests there. But that's the tension we're called to walk in. That's the tension because that's where the truth and the hope of God meets people. And it's challenging at times. And it's not easy to swallow sometimes. And we would think in a cultural context of where we can say, well, I want the truth to be this, or I want the truth to be this. And we see that on display in so many places. And listen, if we're just honest... Like if it was just you and me at the coffee shop and we could talk real to real, I bet there's been moments in your life like there's been moments in mine where you want to justify things, where you want to rationalize things. And I don't think I'm alone in that. I think we've all treaded into that because that's the cultural current that flows around you and around me to say, well, truth is relative. Truth is, and, and, and so that's the tension that we weigh into here. Jesus actually has this conversation in this sermon where he, he talks kind of nuances around that, but what was happening in the day is that people were taking oaths to say, you can really trust me. Um, how many of you have ever said uh, the words like, uh, listen, can I just be frank? And they're like, no, you're not frank. That's not your name, so don't be frank. Uh, like, can, can I just be real with you? Well, like, you haven't been real the last five minutes? Like, is this all fake? What's going on? Uh, and so, like, we've used those phrases, and we use those phrases because we, we want people to understand how serious we are. 
And that was the cultural context of what was happening in a Jewish setting, and especially around the pharisaical movement, is people were giving oaths to either swearing by, you know, I swear on my mama's grave, or I swear like on the, you know, the earth, or I swear on, on heaven. They couldn't use the word Yahweh because that was like reserved, like you couldn't, you'd even write that. As a Jewish scholar, like you wouldn't even write that word. You would leave out a couple vowels because you had such respect for God. So you would never use his name, but you would maybe swear by heaven or by earth and to order validate, to kind of bring a verification to what you were trying to say. And Jesus gets into this context, and, and here's what he says. I'm just going to read the text to you here. This is Matthew chapter 5, uh, verses 33 through 37. You can follow along in the app and the sermon notes if you want, or just turn to your Bible. Here's what it says. Jesus has said again, you have heard that it was said. Remember, he had six different times in this Sermon on the Mount, in the beginning portion of it. He says, like, you've heard it said this, but I tell you it's this. And what he's trying to say is, like, he's trying to say, here's how you've interpreted things, but I'm going to drill down a little bit deeper. I want you to see it from this angle. You've heard it said from people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, don't swear an oath at all either by heaven, for it's God's throne, or by earth, because it's his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot even make one hair white or black. All you need is to say is simple yes or no. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. Like, if you're trying to over-the-top convince people to trust you, then there's something going on inside of you that may not be trustworthy. See, what was happening is that people in that day would, would make these oaths, would make these promises, and it, it probably felt a little bit like a, a used car salesman. Now, if you're a used car salesman, I don't want to diss your occupation and what you do. I bet you do it with great integrity, and it's awesome, and I hope I can buy a car from you someday. Now, if, how many of you, anyone here a used car sales? Okay, perfect. So we all know the reality of, um, of, the, of the truth of how you feel feel like, I don't know if I could, I'm going to go talk to my manager, and then you're like, I feel like you have jelly donut on your, like, you, I don't think you talked to the manager, I think you just went and had a donut, and you made me sweat here, and now, like, anyone ever had a, a horrible experience buying a used car? Three people, perfect. Um, so this illustration is landing, um, and so I bet uh, some of you, all you Gen Zers now just buy it online, it drives up and like drops off, and <sighs> You miss out on the beauty of what life was before the internet. Uh, so like, okay, so Jesus is getting into this reality, and he actually kind of goes back to the ninth commandment, which is don't bear false witness against your neighbor, meaning don't spin things uh, to benefit you. Just be truthful. If you're going to say no to something, well, then say no to something. If you're going to say yes to something, say yes to something. What Jesus has done is bring into contact the, the, grand, the grand positive of that command. This commandment is about our relationship with reality, our relationship with truth. It's about being truthful in my relationship and what I talk to myself about. For some of you, for some of us, your worst critic is inside your head. And they don't spin truth. They just spin. For some of you, your worst critic has maybe been someone outside your own head. 
And they don't spin truth, they just spin. And you're left spinning from it. And see, we need to be truthful in ourselves, we need to be truthful in our relationship with God, we need to be truthful in our relationship with those around us. See, intentional deception is very commonplace in our world. Would you say that's true? Intentional deception happens in our cultural context. We are very careful in our cosmetically driven culture to airbrush over a lot of things and spin things so it looks the way that we want. Politicians want the public to see certain things, and so they put a spin on their version of truth. Executives put a spin on the facts, so to speak, and the style of candor becomes more important than the truth even itself. We live in a world where truth and honesty is not necessarily a natural part of everyday life. A few years back, the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey ran a help-wanted ad for electricians who had the expertise in using Sontag connectors. They got 170 responses, which is fascinating because there is no such thing as Sontag connectors. The Port Authority ran the ad to see how many people fudge on their resumes. Now, before we put people on blast, think about yourself. Have you ever been tempted as searching for a job of trying to airbrush your resume a little bit or your salary package so that maybe you're offered a little bit more in self-assessments? Let's be brutally honest with one another. How many of you have been shopping at a grocery store in the last six months? How many of you returned your cart? How many of you drop off your groceries and go, eh, They pay someone minimum wage to get this. I'll just leave this right here. I'm really job security for them. And I know that's not a law, but we tend to fudge even on ourselves sometimes. Have you ever not been charged for something that was in your basket at a big box store? It got pushed underneath something else, and all of a sudden you realize it as you're walking out to the car. Let's just ask yourself honestly, do you keep walking? Or do you turn around? and go buy it, because you didn't pay for it originally. Have you ever found yourself making up justification or rationalization to get around the system, so to speak, with you fill in the blank of what that is? My hunch is you have treaded those waters. So have I. And the challenge in those moments is, if Jesus is calling us to be people of truth, It's to recognize it in that moment and to adjust. See, that's what being people of truth do. That's what we do. That's what Jesus is challenging. He cuts right to that and he kind of drills down that you're going to be tempted to rationalize and justify, but he's drilling down to the heart of the matter. You've heard it said, but here's what I say to you. Rather than letting people off the hook, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount is actually setting the hook a little deeper. And it's, it's pointing to the realization of two things. One, the law cannot save you. That's what the scriptures declare. You're not good enough to obey everything and get made right with a righteous and perfect God. And because you're not able to, he actually in his love loves you enough to send a savior 
And that's what Jesus is drilling to. Remember, your obedience is to be higher than the Pharisees. They were the goody two-shoes of the day, spiritually speaking. Like, the common people would look and go, well, there's no way I could be better than them. And Jesus is saying, well, they're not even as good as they think they are. Because, sure, they might have outward obedience, but it's the inner part of their motivation, of the very heart of who they are, the core of who they are, that's so misaligned. And that's what Jesus is trying to drill down on is, yeah, you might be outwardly obedient with truth, but the reality is you get behind closed doors and justification and rationalization happens. Jesus spoke about oaths in order to point out that the main problem was integrity. Oaths are no substitute for personal integrity. A liar's vow is a worthless promise. But when a person of integrity says yes or no, that person's simple word can be trusted. Jesus is calling us to make integrity our standard. See, the Pharisees would make all these oaths and say, well, uh, we swear by, you know, by earth for this, but we know heaven's oath is actually greater than earth. They had all these different levels to these oaths that you had, and truth gets lost in wordiness, if we're honest. And it's not about levels of truth. This is about understanding. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Be a person of your word. Jesus is emphasizing, tell the truth. And when you say something, mean what you say. Wouldn't the world be a better place if we did that? Instead of shading things or, or, or challenging things, he taught that our conversation should be honest and our character true, that it won't need things to, to build it up or to convince other people to believe us. Now, a side note here is when you say yes to things, you are by definition saying no to other things. And so it's important as a follower of Jesus, as one who wants to be salt and light in the world, that you and I evaluate from time to time, are we saying yes to the best things? Because sometimes saying yes to the best things means we've got to say no to even good things. Things that aren't bad, things that are maybe even good, but in order to say yes to the best things that God has for you and maybe the calling that he has upon you, you've got to say yes to some things, and which means you will always say no because you are a limited resource. So am I. You only have so much time and energy. The point what Jesus is making here is in your integrity, build a life of integrity so that you'll not have to verify your veracity or accuracy of your statements and how you live. Apparently, truth was a rare commodity in Jesus' day. Huh. 2,000 years later, it's still a rare commodity in our day. The concept of truth has been slowly dying around us in a lot of different ways. Stephen Colbert picked up on this cultural phenomenon and coined the phrase truthiness, which actually became Webster's word of the year in 2006. Truthiness. A little bit of truth mixed in, but some fudging of things. It's just got a little ounce of truth in it. Webster made that the word of the year, 2006. You fast forward to 2016, 17, and all the turmoil and confusion, and all of a sudden the word fake news is a part of the reality of which we live. And whether it's spin from the left or spin from the right, the reality is all we do is stand up and fight, fight, fight. Because we are spinning truth, our truth, 
one way or the other. Oxford Dictionary made post-truth the word of the year in 2016. Time Magazine, one of the covers in 2017, is truth dead? Question mark. Truthiness has a way of cutting across our culture, and Jesus is calling us to practice honesty and integrity. I love how Eugene Peterson paraphrases this in the message. Here's what he says uh, in these same verses that Jesus talks about here. I don't say anything, uh, and don't say anything you don't mean. This counsel is embedded deep in our traditions. You only make things worse when you lay down a smokescreen of pious talk, saying, I'll pray for you and never doing it, or saying, God be with you and not really meaning it. You don't make your words true by embellishing them with religious lace. In making your speech sound more religious, it actually becomes less true. So just say yes or no. When you manipulate your words to get your own way, you go wrong. You begin to go sideways. What Jesus is teaching here is he's calling us to develop a reputation, a commitment to integrity, that you don't have to preface anything with an oath or with a statement, hey, this is really true, I really mean this. No, you, you just, you mean what you say, and you say what you mean. Because your whole lifestyle becomes this testimony of I'm just honest. Now, that doesn't mean we're perfect, Honesty and integrity is not the same as perfection. In fact, some of the best ways you can be honest is to own up when you're not. Some of the best ways that you can be a person of integrity is to own when you're not. And to, to own that and, and to admit that to other people and say, listen, you know what? I told you this story and, man, I... I made up like 20% of that. And I don't know why I embellished on that. And I shouldn't have it. I just want you to know that like, I'm recognizing. I have a tendency to embellish things. And, and so you say things. And you begin to own some of those stuff. This is about a reality of, of letting truth prevail in your life. Now, I'm going to tell you a crazy story from the Bible. In fact, you can read it this week. I think it's one of the craziest stories in the, in the scriptures, especially in the New Testament and in the early church. It's a crazy story. Have I prefaced this enough? So this is a story found in Acts chapter 4. Toward the tail end, it says all the believers were together. They sold uh, their, their goods uh, and the things that they had, and no one was without or no one was in need. They were living in biblical community in a way that honored one another, okay? And in the end of Acts chapter four, there's a guy named Barnabas, and he's fairly rich, and he sells this land that he has, and he gives all the proceeds to the church. And Barnabas is kind of a big deal, and people take note of that, and they go, wow, Barnabas, that was pretty awesome that you did that. And then you fast forward, just turn the page into chapter five, and there's this fascinating story about this husband and wife, Ananias and Sapphira, who probably heard about Barnabas and what he did and was like, man, that was pretty awesome what he did. And so they kind of hatch a plan and say, hey, you know, we're, we're rich and, and we're, we're pretty well-to-do, and so let's, let's sell some land and give it to the church and let's help people in the community that we're a part of, and, and we're going to give it all of what we sell. We're going to give it away. And then they sell their land. It actually sells really quickly, and they get all the money. And here's the reality of life. When you make a pledge and then you actually get the money for it, it's a little more real in that moment. 
Because then you get the money for it, and you're like, whoa, wow, okay, that actually went pretty quick. And so in that moment, here's the dilemma that they have. They have this dilemma that doesn't really even need to be a dilemma. It was their property. They could do whatever they wanted with it. But in that moment, they say, you know what, we're going to, let's say let's save us $10,000, we're going to give $8,000 to the church. We're going to keep $2,000 because we want to, you know, do some new drapes and stuff in our house and things like that. Totally fine. But in some weird way, they go to the early church leaders and to Peter and they say, hey, we sold this property for $8,000 and we're going to give it all, uh, all for the church. And we want to, to be a blessing, kind of like Barnabas. We, just, we want to bless people. And it's fascinating what happens. Do you want to hear what happens? Are you on the edge of your seat? They brought the money they siphoned off to give to the church. They brought it with the impression that it was the whole thing. Hey, we sold this land for $8,000. Really? They sold it for ten. We sold it and we're giving all the money to the church. Then Peter said, verse 3 of chapter 5. This is fascinating. Ananias, how is it? that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money that you received for the land. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal to do with what you wanted? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men. You have lied to God. And Ananias drops dead. Not asleep, drops dead. Right there. Now, for some of you, here was my first thought reading this story. God, why are you so mean? These people just gave a lot of money to the church. Like, that just sounds mean. And it does, doesn't it? Let's just be honest about it. Sapphira comes in a few minutes later after the men carry Ananias out. And they ask Sapphira, hey, uh, did, did you get this money for uh, the church? And yeah, we want to give all of it to the church. And Peter says to her, the men who just carried out your husband will be back to get you. And she drops dead right there in the church. What? Guys, this is crazy. Like, what? Like, I don't know what to feel in this moment. Do you? Are you freaked out? Because I am a little bit. Are you fearful? Hello. Are, are you like, well, that's funny because it wasn't me. Because there's a little bit of that if we're just honest. Come on. There's a lot of emotions in this. I've thought on this passage for a decade or more. What do you do with that? The church was early on in its infancy. And it just launched. If it's going to be the salt and light to the world that pronounces the reality of 
of who God is and that he longs to be in relationship with people. And if it's to be this movement that is so countercultural to the reality of what's swirling around it, to be different, to be this beautiful resistance, then it has to be truthful. It can't just placate to things. It actually has to speak what Jesus talked about, speak the truth in love. It's both and, not either or. And I wonder if in the early church, this was the Holy Spirit saying, no, 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 integrity matters. Truthfulness matters. It was their money to do whatever they wanted. But what Peter said, you didn't lie to men. You could have done anything you wanted. You were testing God. And God had his answer. And it's crazy. And I don't know fully what to do with it. I'm just going to let it sit here. And, and I think you need to wrestle with it. I think I do too. Because I think the truth is, for all of us, is, hey, if Jesus is teaching and this crazy example is saying, listen, we need to be people of truth. Jesus cares about truth. And he wants to deal, he wants us to deal with one another in integrity and honesty and with credibility. That your reputation that you're building, you're building one decision at a time. Here's the truth. Honesty is built upon one truth upon another. And dishonesty is built one fib upon another. Moral philosopher of our day said it's easy to tell a lie, it's hard to only tell one. The reality is when you catch yourself beginning to shade the truth, when you catch yourself not being totally honest, stop and think. It probably won't affect you, it probably won't affect a whole lot of people in that moment, it probably won't hurt anybody, but it might hurt you later See, if you teach yourself to traffic in untruths, it's not long before the deception is beyond your ability to even control it. We must never be careless about the truth. And God wants the best for us, always and forever. Jesus would say to the people that begin to follow after him, John chapter 8, Jesus turned to those that were following, claimed to believe in him. Hey, if you stick with this, living out what I tell you, you're my disciples, then you will experience for yourself the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free. You want to live with an abundant amount of peace in your life? Be a person of truth. Don't be a person of deception. Do you want to live with a, a beautiful sense of freedom in life? then be a person of integrity where your yes means yes and your no means no and you make decisions and sometimes it's weighty and sometimes it's hard but you just make a decision when you have to and say this is what I'm doing. That you're a person of your word the best you can and when you mess up, you own up. That's where you begin to experience freedom. So here's the invitation I want to call us to if you have your communion. Um, I think as we engage in this practice that Jesus gave to us 2,000 years ago, 
when he said to his followers then, his followers now, hey, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. And so again, if you don't have some, there's a couple tables back here. You can grab that. But I think the beauty of coming to the table, the Lord's table, is twofold. One is we come to the table to be told the truth. Friends, here's the truth. You are far more broken than you will ever recognize. That's the truth. Here's the beautiful grace and love that accompanies that. You are far more loved than you may ever come to fully realize. See, when you come to the table, you come and you experience truth, but you also experience the love of a Savior. And it's both and, not either or. And it's into those moments that we have to step where we pray the prayer from Psalm 139, search my heart, God. Know if there's any wicked way in me, any, any way that my soul is out of alignment with what you have best for me in life. I'm going to tell you right now, I bet there's an area, because I got one. I bet there's a place, a a niche in your life where it's out of alignment from God's best and what he has for you. And I don't even have to push on the hot topic or what it is. I I bet you even know. And so when you come to the table, it's coming to a realization, man, I am, I'm more broken than I want to admit. But I'm also way more loved than maybe I'll ever realize. And it's both and. And so here's what I invite us to. It's just taking a moment. Uh, I love what Timothy Keller says. He says, truth without love is harshness. It gives us information, but in such a way that we cannot really hear it. But love without truth is sentimentality. It supports and affirms us, but it keeps us in denial about our flaws. So when you come to the Lord's table, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. We we come in light of the cross. Jesus had to go to the cross for me, for my stuff, my actions, my rebellion, my sins, my brokenness. That is the truth. I don't like to hear it, I don't like to say it, but it is the truth. Even if none of you were here, he still had to go to the cross for me. He had to go to the cross for you. That it was your sin, my sin, that broke the heart of God. But it's the love of God that looks at you and looks at me and says, it was worth it. I would do it again if I needed to. But the sacrifice was sufficient. And so as we think, here's what I want to invite you to do. Just close your eyes where you're at. I'm going to give you 60 seconds just to kind of do some own self-reflection. And then we're going to take communion together. So I want you to think back over the last few days or the last week or the last month. I want you to remember your words Where have you used your words where they've been deceptive, maybe not fully truthful? 
Where have you used your words to manipulate? Where have you said bitter words or untruthful words? Or where did you withhold words of love and encouragement that needed spoken in the moment and yet you kept quiet? You're asking God to search your heart, to reveal anything. That's part of repentance is for God to reveal the truth and to also reveal his love for you. Remember your attitudes over the last couple weeks or month. Where have you been judgmental in maybe ugly ways? Where has envy kind of gnawed at you? Where have you lived with entitlement instead of gratitude? Maybe remember your finances. Where have you been trusting God or not trusting God for your security? Where have you not had God's heart for the less fortunate? Do you need to confess any sin of hoarding or undisciplined pursuit of desire or a failure to honor him with what he's entrusted to you? Remember your behaviors over the last week or month. Where have you indulged in a habit that you haven't been really willing to bring it into the light? When have you been selfish? Where has your irritation spilled over to do relational harm in the people you care about? See, Jesus said, this is my body. So as you open to take the bread, as you hold that, Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. This is my body broken for you. Take and eat. It's a remembrance that he needed to come to be the sacrifice in your place and in my place because we needed that. When we hold the juice, we remember that it cost Jesus everything to secure our redemption, to save us. It's a reminder of his immense love and value that he has for you, friend. That he came for you. And if he only had to come for you, he would still make the journey to the cross for you. See, your hope is anchored in him and in him alone. Not in your effort, not in your energy, not in your pursuit, but in his grace. It says, the truth is you needed me to come for your rescue. And the truth of the grace is that I wanted to and that I did. This is my blood, Jesus said, shed for the forgiveness of your sins. Take and drink. See, at the table, we own the truth of my condition, but we also fall into the truth of God's disposition. The grace that he extends to us in Christ, the value God says that you are worth him sending his son on your behalf. The hope that can hold us through the sacrifice and the rescue of Jesus. We do this in remembrance because we want to re-anchor ourselves to the truth and to the hope of God. 
We are to be people as followers of Jesus who are unconditional in our love and unapologetic about the truth. People of integrity, which is not perfection, but of integration and wholeness. People able to admit our faults, to learn from them. People committed to being truthful in all we do as our Savior is. So Father, I I pray with great simplicity, but with profoundness. Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. I pray that you would help us to be your followers who live with unconditional love, but who are unapologetic about truth, and that we do that in a way that's palatable, that's approachable, that meets people where they're at, And that takes being people of integrity, not perfection, but being people who, when when we say yes, we mean it. When we say no, we mean it. That we're the same person. Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday night, Saturday night. We're integrated, we're whole. Would you help us to be that kind of church that people might see the heart of our good, good Father? Because that's your heart for us. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. May we resemble that in the way that we live in our here and now. Far and 
can hardly speak peace so unexplainable I, I can hardly think as you call me deeper still as you God, we thank you for the beauty of who you are, that you are truthful in everything that you say to us and lead us toward, and you are filled with grace. It's both and, and we are the benefactors of it. God, we may, may we live more and more in alignment with what Jesus is teaching us here in the Sermon on the Mount, and And for this particular night, may we be people of truth and integrity, the best we know how in the moment that we're in. And would you continue to refine us year after year in that, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Friends, thank you so much for being here or tuning in online. Uh, A couple quick things to let you know about. Uh, Just, again, thank you to all of you who partner with us financially. Uh, We can't be church, do the church without that. And uh, we we don't pass a plate around here if you're new. Uh, We got giving boxes in the back or you can give online. A lot of, uh, most of our folks do that. And you can do that through the app or online. And just uh, thank you. We we tell people it takes real money to do real ministry. And uh, we appreciate your partnership in that. Uh, We do have a potluck scholarship fundraiser. It's old school church potluck. Anyone ever been to an old school church potluck? We're going old school in the new school. Uh, The last Sunday of May, May 29th. So here's the deal. This week, go on the app, sign up for what side dish or main dish that you want to bring. Begin making your plans for that. Bring that and then bring a little bit of extra money that night. It's free to get in because you're providing the food. (laughs) and I'm providing food too. Uh, And then at the same time, we're actually going to have tip jars out and a dessert auction to raise money to send kids to camp this summer. We want them to be able to pay half of what it costs. It costs about 350 bucks to go. So we want to do half scholarships to the six or seven people that we have going this week or this summer. We want to bless them with that. And so we're going to do a fundraiser that night. If you have a dessert auction that you're like, my family tells me this is the best dessert ever, we would like to put that in the auction block. And so come see me or come see Lyle and let us know that you're interested in that. If you're here and new, 10-minute party happens right back there in about... 
35 seconds. I would love to meet you back there. Uh, hang out, mingle with people that are here. I know we got a group going to dinner, but I'm not sure where. So talk to people. They'll tell you where they're going. Um, so figure it out. Um, but glad to have you here. May the Lord bless you this week. May he use your life. May you continue to be led to people that you can pray for and that you actually pray with them and bless them. And may he continue to grow a heart of integrity within you, friend. And may you enjoy the freedom and peace that comes with that. Go in his peace. We'll see you next week.